Sorry. I just, I just all of a sudden just lost my words. I couldn't. Okay. And scene. Welcome to the True and Work podcast. We're your hosts, Nikki Kilburn and Chandra Riley. We hold conversations with people from marginalized communities that will inspire you to connect with their purpose. In this conversation, we're talking about inequality in the arts with Brianna Pagado, FRSA. Brianna is an artist, writer, and former co-director of We Are Here Scotland, a community interest company that supports black and people of color creators in Scotland. Her work in the third sector and in the creative sector have been grounded in supporting artists to fulfill their creative potential. Now we're here to talk about um, equality and representation in the arts in Scotland. Uh, I am a Black American living in Scotland, and Brianna is as well. And we are both involved in the arts. So Brianna, uh, what changes have you seen in equality and representation since the uprising slash awakening in 2020 in the arts in Scotland, the creative sector? That's a great question, Chandra. I think what's been interesting to watch over the last couple of years, but also over the last decade in the arts and creative industries in Scotland is we've obviously been living in 12 years of austerity and those cuts have been hitting the creative industries directly because of the impact that UK government funding has been having on public funding to the arts in Scotland and the creative industries. And I think the fact that that's been happening for 12 years in the lead up to everything that came into public consciousness in 2020 is really pertinent and really important because we've been seeing a growing inequality in the arts and creative industries for 12 years. When you look at the number of working class people in the arts, the number of people from black and POC backgrounds, the number of young people, people that don't have personal wealth, trying to make their way into an industry that requires people to take a lot of risks to be able to, in a lot of ways in this day and age, work multiple jobs, be creative in terms of their income streams. I think that that has compounded this whole conversation around representation in the arts and creative industries. And in terms of changes, what's happening is there's this public conversation taking place where arts institutions, galleries, theatre companies, artists that are working across different creative disciplines and practices are saying, okay, we need to be anti-racist or we need to appear to have more black and people of color publicly involved with our organization, or we need to make sure we have policies around anti-racism. But I think when we look at the public facing changes, what's happening on the outside, that is really positive, but Is there any change happening in terms of leadership, in terms of people on boards of arts organizations? And a lot of the artists that we work with at We Are Here Scotland, for example, um, are asking that big question too of, well, I'm getting more opportunities, but I feel like they're tokenistic. Going deep into these organizations, is is it taking root and is it sustainable? I think where changes are genuinely happening is where people are putting money to it. I think sometimes when people are still asking, will you do this labor for free, this emotional labor for free, or come in and chat to us for free, that commitment 
isn't there because you go back to them and say, well, you wouldn't ask a lawyer to do legal services for you for free. So why are you asking us to, to kind of do this training for free? But what I'll say is theater companies seem to be some visual arts institutions, the arts council, but it's uh, still an uphill conversation sometimes. And to go on and to create the sustainable change that you're describing there, it requires real investment and it requires investment at all levels across an organisation. And I think that it's very um, real what you're describing there around this risk of tokenism because what we're actually seeing is is that some people are getting opportunities people that actually feel confident in their practice or have a level of um established um you know kind of um success and i think what we really need to be thinking about is what about the people that are furthest away what about the people that really want to be able to access opportunities and develop and grow and feel included, um, but actually they're really struggling still to feel part of the community and included? Because I think what we keep seeing is the same faces all the time that are popping up, that are representing and that are the voice of all the community. And I think when we look at Scotland and we look at England, we're looking at two completely different demographics as well. We're looking at two completely different histories of migration. And we're also looking at different ways within which and how communities interact. Because for a start, within Scotland, because of the extent of racism across communities, people have been pushed back into their safe community zones. And I think there's a lot of relationship building that needs to happen as well. And I think that's one of the reasons why we started True and Woke, which is essentially about centering the experience of women of color, but trying to make that inclusive to all women so that then we can start to have those collective and shared conversations. And I think also what you're describing there is that there's been a lot of grassroots um, organizations and projects that have you know um, grown um, from the uprising um, because they've felt that they now have recognition they've understood and they can express their voice um, we need to make sure this communication happening across those platforms I think is really important I think what you've just said there Nikki about there needing to be relationship building and sharing resources and knowledge across different groups within the arts and creative industries that are black and POC led, it's been really interesting to see how that works and the willingness or not to have those conversations. I think there is a lot of trauma amongst many of our communities. And I think because of the scarcity that a lot of us have been facing for centuries, I'm not talking about just the last 12 years, sometimes there can be a hes hesitancy to collaborate. And I think what's really positive on the flip side of that is uh, you're right about the same faces coming up time and time again. And I think that you know, passing on that baton because activism, you know, is a relay race. It's not a marathon. It's not about who's carrying that, but it's also making sure that people are, opportunities are passed on and shares. And I think that particularly in Edinburgh, I mean, I've, I've only been in Glasgow now for about five months. The community is really small. And I think that fostering more spaces for connection and collaboration and working together um, 
and unionizing or coming together to advocate on certain issues is, is really important. And there have been big conversations about that happening. And I think we would all really benefit from that as well. I've seen certainly in the past few years that there's plenty of opportunities. There's plenty to go, to ra- go around. We can share the work. We can share the creative processes. Yeah, I I think we can. And when we look at the work that Intercultural Youth Scotland is doing, We Are Here Scotland is doing, there are many collectives, transmission galleries work over the years. Um, Most of my work in the creative industries has been about supporting and building creative networks. It's really about me making creative work. And I always try and mentor, support, build mentoring programs. That's what we're doing at We Are Here Scotland and pass on the opportunities always. And I know that that scarcity that has been really real um, is understandable, but I'm also hoping that we can heal and, and move past that in a way that will benefit all of us. Um, and I'm seeing that happening more and more. But I think what's also important is when you look at the social enterprise community, or the third sector, we are creating our own opportunities and spaces, creating our own venues, creating our own festivals, collaborating in ways that it's making space for ourselves and for others without the institutions holding that power. I know that kind of money and resources are something that we'll always be competing for, but that is something I've seen change really positively. And that's been a lot more at the forefront in the last few years. I think one of the challenges is still is that, you know, what we're talking about here is that the way that, um, you know, um, often projects are commissioned tends to be still quite competitive and there's a risk of stigma and discrimination where it is very much target orientated although it's framed as being outcome based and it is still filling a very small quota of funds that are available for people from black POC communities and um, that can then be very challenging for people that want to um, develop something or put themselves out there. And also, like, how do you get started? I think that's a challenge in itself, because let's face it, if you don't have resources, you can't get started. What I think we need to watch out for, and I see so often that I'm concerned about, is yes, you might do the anti-racism training or the unconscious bias training or have the right language, But these institutions are using this language, but still not letting go of power, still not changing uh, their actual approach. But they're using a language that's convincing, that makes you think maybe they get it or maybe they are changing their ways. It's um, it's supporting the power paradigm. It's um, it's reinforcing it. It's giving it more strength. And essentially for that to happen outside of, you know, being able to sit with this discomfort and process, um, you know, difficult and uncomfortable experiences and emotions and move through that into a place of um, heightened awareness and um, meaningful empathy, um, which then creates action. Um, They need to be able to relinquish some of that power. And I think that's where the challenge is. It's like not not being willing to give up that status. But deep down that change isn't happening because it takes time, it takes humility, it takes processing and dealing with shame, it takes dealing with privilege. And that is what I hope needs is, is going to happen on a deep, deeper level, needs to happen on a deeper level. Hi, it's Chandra here. If you're enjoying this podcast and you don't want to miss a conversation, please subscribe. Thanks for listening. 
Tell us about Modern Craft, Powerful Voices on Witchcraft Ethics. Essentially, the Modern Craft is a book that's in a set of essays. One of them's written by me exploring what modern witchcraft, and I put this in, in air quotes because that craft could be anything from energy healing to ritual work to rewilding to work with nature to trauma-based practices. And it's modern essays from different women, different people of color, different people of different genders, reflecting on what that looks like in the modern world. My essay is on beta healing, but it's also on um, goddess work and uh, my relationship to the Hindu goddess Kali or Durga. And it's also very much about how can we heal others if we haven't healed ourselves and how do we do that in partnership? So I love this kind of sense of um, ownership yes. of it and, um, and and understanding from the perspective of where we are today and what that means to us and the diverse um, ways through which we all identify with ourselves and live our lives. And that also what's really interesting is that you're talking about um, connecting with, um, well, you're connecting with Hinduism and you're connecting with yoga philosophy um, in a meaningful way, which is about deep understanding and appreciation and not appropriation. And I think it's also an important narrative that we're having where we can actually use and connect with anything in the world that's available to us because it's become almost like quite frightening and scary for people become very scared of, you know, appropriation. So they don't do, but it's actually, well, you can, you just need to honor it and understand it and put the work in. Couldn't have said it any better. Thank you, Nikki. That's beautiful. Thank you loving this podcast go to session notes for links to our blog website and socials thanks for listening and these are questions that we ask all of our guests so we can see the things that we have in common okay the first question is what does woke mean to you woke means honoring those that have done the work, even brought this idea into consciousness um, and really being a critical friend of oneself and others to reach a point of healing and understanding. That's what I would say woke is to me. Beautiful. Right. Question number two, how does a meaningful connection feel? Ooh, a meaningful connection feels embodied. That full minds, body, spirit, alignments, a sense of mutual respect, uh, mutual reverence, understanding, and something that allows for growth, for learning, for mistakes, and I think is the embodiment of beauty. That's what I would say a meaningful connection is. Wow. That was beautifully said. That was gorgeous. I could feel that. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Okay, Brianna, what is the best thing about being human? Oh, there are so many wonderful things about being human. I was listening to a podcast this morning by my favorite queer POC astrologer, Chani Nicholas, and she started the podcast with what a miracle it is for us to be alive. You know, the millions of decisions that had to be made uh, that in alignment for us to even be here. So I'll just, because this is quick fire, I'll say the, the 
one of the most kind of beautiful things about being alive is just that we're, we're even here in the first place and really being able to, by remembering that, honoring all the mundane things that we do every day that we, we will take for granted when we're no longer here. So that's, that's yeah. what I'll say. That's great. That's, I can really relate to that because I, um, I've learned not to take things for granted because I'm a stroke survivor. So, um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to just recognize that we're lucky to be here. Mm, Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, with that, I'm going to say thank you, Brianna. And it has been a really, really lovely conversation today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you both so much. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Really enjoyed talking to you. It's been really meaningful. I think we've touched on some really important things. Mm. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at Woke or on our Facebook page, Woke. Links to resources mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. Special thanks to AJIT and Matt Elliott Music. Woke is a community interest company based in Scotland. This episode is funded by the National Lottery Awards for All. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon.